Welcome to the Monkey Business Show. From cash flow to crypto, all the things you need to know to invest in the market. I'm Aaron Hodges along with Eric Salzman and Richie Bennett. Richie just traveling all around the globe like he's Carmen San Diego this week. He hails in Orlando, Florida. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, domestically traveling. Yeah, not international yet. I'm checking in on a, another personal investment I have, which is the um, mobile home business. Uh, wow, that, that can be for another time too. But uh, uh, I must drop the mobile home investment as an alternative investment is fabulous. You've been in there for a while, right? Yeah, it's everything I wanted it to be and more. Oh God! Are you That's- buying trailer parks? I am, sir, via via fund. I'm not actually doing the buying, but but I have been invited to take like a training course <laughs> where I could actually own and operate my own park, which would be real fun. I watch the Trailer Park Boys almost every night to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite shows in the world. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, I definitely recommend watching it. I'm sure there are some characters in there that will remind you of your childhood in a way. Uh, Or maybe not. I don't know. You and me, we come from different worlds. I have fallen in love with trailer park culture, and I think I would love to own a trailer park. So, Richie, if you start a SPAC, maybe I will invest in your trailer park SPAC. Good idea. Good idea. (laughs) Eric, how's everything in San Antonio? Good. I got uh, I got my first uh, vaccine shot yesterday. Um, they are opening up to so the state. We're, we're kind of racing with the stupidity of 100 percent. You know, everything's open and no one has to wear a mask. But we're getting a lot of vaccines now. So uh, I went yesterday, got my my shot, the Moderna shot, which means in four weeks I get another shot. And then it's going to be Mardi Gras pretty much every day for two months. <laughs> And my, my wife, Jean, is well, she's getting hers like a couple of days from now, and she's going to kind of almost be right in sync. So I'm gonna, we're going to go freaking wild when, when, when it's over. Wilding. Yeah, when you say go wild, what, is, what, is that, what does that mean? What are we talking about? Yeah, got him 56. Uh, <laughs> out to dinner a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, and now we because we're, we're leaving Texas soon, and um, we missed out a lot on on all, we didn't get in, get to see enough live Austin. Like Texas has got great live music, great live music. So I plan on going to a, at least one or two concerts a week. There's so many great places between San Antonio and Austin to do that. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to drink a lot, um, but I'll be drinking outside of my home as opposed to where I've been drinking the last year, which is inside my home, and. Just doing all the shit that we couldn't do for the last year. That sounds great, man. How are you feeling? Any side effects? Yo, know, yesterday it was funny. I said I, I got the chills, and it felt like I kind of felt like a, a mild case of malaria. I had the chills <laughs> one minute, and then hot the next. But I had the best night's sleep I've had in weeks. I woke up this morning. I feel good. Just a little sore arm, and that's it. Awesome, awesome. I can still pitch if you need me. Get them out of the bullpen, Skipper. So the market is uh, pretty volatile lately. The job numbers came out, and I guess the jobless claims fell. So that is some good news. It's That's lower. But uh, otherwise, things that seem to be trickling down. Not just trickling. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We, you know, obviously we were watching interest rates and showing how the, the rate, the rate kind of the spike in rates got hit, especially the NASDAQ and, you know, the growth stocks and the, the, uh, the disruptor stocks. Well, this week, actually, rates are down. Rates have kind of come back down. They're still elevated from where they were, let's say, a month ago. But they're, they went, they've come down. Um, but a lot of it's off of bad news. Uh, a lot of it has to do with Europe, and Europe is shutting down again. The rollout is not going well. And they've seen a big spike. I think you've seen it on the news, a big spike in, um, in new infections and, and, and deaths and hospitalizations. And, you know, we're, we're always three weeks or four weeks behind them. So I think people get a little nervous. The only thing I would say is that, you know, a lot of the stocks that we watch, you know, that the, the, the kids on Robinhood and the Reddit guys trade, they went up 100, 200,000 percent, some of them, during the absolute worst time here when you, you, didn't want, you didn't think it was rational to buy anything. And you had no idea what the economy was going to do, if it was ever going to come, when it was ever going to come back. Now, now... So it's hard to blame it on interest rates, you know. It's hard to, to blame, you know, game stock was down 35% yesterday. Um, you know, just just crashed after they they had a um, their earnings call and nobody was happy, especially um, one thing that the the Robinhood the, the kids don't have in their playbook yet is that GameStop came out and said, "Oh, our stock's worth 200 bucks now. You know what? We're going to issue more shares." And or we're seriously considering issuing more shares. Now, when you issue more shares, suddenly you increase the supply. All of a sudden, if the supply goes up, if the demand doesn't keep pace with it, which could happen, the stock gets hit. Also, if you're a short seller, you may start getting relief. But right now, if you're a short seller, you're actually making a lot of money off of GameStop. But more stock in circulation, more float, as they call it, um, kind of hurts those technicals and to, to get short. And a lot of these other companies, they've driven up tremendously, too. They're going to be, you know... Hey, we should do that too, right? I mean, if all of a sudden we can issue stock, we can issue a ten bucks a share and raise two hundred million dollars. Where, you know, a year ago we couldn't. We go we, we, a year ago we couldn't raise, you know, ten bucks. Now we can raise, you know, twenty million or two hundred million. They're going to do it. So I'm not sure if the traders are savvy enough to see that, and that's why they're dumping their stocks, or, or not their stocks are getting hit. But that is that. That is definitely one one big thing to consider. Also, we have uh, we have treasury auctions this week again, uh, and again that that's another one where everyone was really nervous a couple of weeks ago because every time the treasury comes with sixty billion of an auction of a two year or a five year or, or in this case a seven year today, um, you know the market's always worried that you know there's going to again uh, more supply on the market. Who's going to be buying the bonds? Who has room to buy the bonds? So that could easily push rates back up. A lot of times, what happens is after one of these. Um, one of these uh, auction weeks is the auctions go okay, but then at the end of the week, you kind of have this supply puke and everybody, you know, and, and the market basically ends up worse uh, than where it was when the auction started and the auctions went well. So you have a situation where guys are buying bonds at 100 and by Friday afternoon, they're down to 99. So we've got to keep an eye out for that. So um, I've... Uh Eliminated my camera portion because it was getting too cumbersome, but I'm still here. Um, I'm uh, operating on a new technology that I'm not used to. So uh, <laughs> I, I think they use the word Luddite. Luddite is a word where like people who embrace no change. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of me with technology. I'm okay. a Luddite. I was explaining before we came on the air that I have 
I try to use a, a computer that's from 2007 today. Um, but it, it looked like the camera worked, but the sound just wasn't making it. So I used my Apple product, the iPad, which also is causing a little problem. But I think we've gotten the microphone fixed. So I, I, I'm here. And I, I second what Eric has said. What was very interesting the last couple of days, the growth stocks like the tech and all the stuff we hear about all the time, Facebook, Tesla, Google, Netflix, all those guys, Amazon, they went down, but so did the small caps. Hmm. And that's not happened uh, certainly in this last year to two years, actually even before the pandemic, um, where the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones, which are indexes people look at a lot to see where the stock market is kind of going on a general basis. Yesterday, those were almost unchanged. The the S&P was down a little, but the, the tech stocks, the NASDAQ, and the small cap stocks, the Russell 2000, got obliterated, like really bad. And uh, people point to grumblings of tax increases in Washington. That seems to be driving these things. Taxes being chatted about raising the corporate tax rate and raising the higher end uh, personal tax rate. So when you raise the corporate tax rate, that's where a lot of these tech companies that had cash uh, were able to obviously put more cash in their pockets and pay less corporate tax. And uh, when you raise personal tax rates, that may slow the economy down and hurt some of these smaller cap companies that um, rely on like the regular in, you know, uh, retail person to buy their goods. So that, that definitely is something to look and continue to watch if that trend continues. Like our, our picks have been um, old school companies that just make money and are kind of boring. We've been against the tech stocks for gen- in general. And uh, that had been going swimmingly well. And then the last couple of days, not yesterday, that was okay. But the last couple of days we really got pummeled because kind of everything on the value side, if you will, the old school value side where they just kind of do boring things and make money, that got hit pretty good from last Thursday on till yesterday, whereas the tech companies kind of went up or kind of went sideways and were fine. So that's not good for our positions. Except for one, Richie. Yeah. ASML, Mauricio San, San, San Diego, Mauricio San Diego's <laughs> pick that I've been, uh, I've been buying actually went up a lot yesterday. And yeah. now, all right, here's what ASML does. I'm jackass. I, I bought it and I, I didn't quite know what they did. Mauricio just said the bot. I know he bought them at 200 and, and it was sitting at 497 when I bought it. So it sounded like a good idea. Basically, they make the equipment that makes chips. That's what they do. They make the precise, the precise equipment that makes semiconductor chips. And yesterday, Intel came out and said they were making a gigantic investment in new plants. I think it was like a $20 billion investment in, in new, uh, new plants. For, and, and Intel, they, they, they make chips. So um, 
And ASML is really, and this is what Mauricio was talking about, is that there's not too many guys out there that make this type of equipment. Again, again, back to the Warren Buffett, the moat. You know, it's a, it's a very high barrier for entry to get into that business. And these guys have been in it for a while. And I guess they've, they've grown along with the, with the chip industry. Um, so they're one of the only game, only games in town. So yeah, they, they've, uh, they've done pretty well, even against, against everything that's going on. They've, uh, they've, they're up, I think they're up like 5% yesterday. Yeah. And, and there's been a big shortage of chips. Right. So that kind of drives those who actually make the chips and those who make the machines that make the chips, because now people are diving over each other to buy chips, especially like the auto industry. Mm. The auto industry is complaining because the you know your your dashboard these days in new cars is like a computer, right? It, it's it's a high functioning computer, so they can't roll out these cars with all the fancy doodads if they can't get the proper chips, right. and uh, that's what's going on right now. So you have like what might what people might think. The car companies are having trouble, right? Selling cars in a pandemic is untrue, actually, because their supply is so limited. There's a lot fewer deals for the purchasers of automobiles these days. You gotta, if you want a car, you gotta take what's on the lot, and if you don't, somebody else will. And that has driven uh, GM's stock way up too. General Motors. Now, Richie, what's behind the uh, do do you I, I don't know what what's behind the chip shortage? Is it just the kind of supply chain pandemic yeah. type thing that you know not enough workers, not enough thing, not enough activity? Yeah, I think they have a problem. You know, staffing the whole hmm. uh, all the factories or whatever they they call them the fab fab places. Um, hmm. But also, a lot of these guys in the auto business and 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 in other businesses, they kind of screwed up with their ordering. So, like, once the pandemic hit, they were like, yeah, we don't need any of that shit because uh, we're not going to sell another car for two years because nobody's going to leave their house. And they were oh so wrong. And now they're scrambling. So they got to buy and buy and buy, and everybody's doing the same thing. So yeah. it's driving the main number. That's interesting. That's interesting because you could make the excuse, like, in the old days, if it was, you know, industrial metals and things that you needed – and you got to actually put that stuff somewhere and you don't want to buy it and get stuck with it. Cause that used to be, a, and this is why when we spoke last week about inflation, this is the type of stuff that is going to happen. And I think that's what chairman federal reserve chairman Powell has been talking about. He talked about it again yesterday with, uh, with treasury secretary Yellen um, that again, he's, you're going to see things like this as the economy, the world economy starts trying to come back to, to full speed um, you're going to see these, these shortages, these bottlenecks are going to pop up and you're going to see prices go up. Uh, one thing that a, a great, uh, kind of funny, if you're a conspiracy theorist is that, so oil was getting destroyed last, last week and oil went on the oil's done, you know, uh, crude has done fantastic in the last few months, uh, as it looks like the world, you know, the economy's opening up again and there's obviously more demand. And what always happens with oil is that when it goes completely into the shitter, People start going out of business. You know, drill, wells start getting either capped or, and it's not so easy to cap a well. But you, you even when they when they quote cap it, when they try to, it doesn't just come back online in, in a day. It takes a while for that, and it may never come back fully. 
you know, um, online for, for a while. Yeah. So, so what happens is it's a natural, everybody stops production. Everybody stops the exploration production. Everyone stops because the price of oil costs, it's costing more than, than when you could sell it. And then all of a sudden, when the economy comes back, suddenly there's a shortage. There's not enough immediate supply of oil. So it gets taken up. If you look at West Texas Intermediate Crude, that's what's, that's one of the major uh, indices, uh, um, futures that you look at. That got above $60 a barrel, which hadn't been there in a long time. When this whole European thing started and the slowdown and the lockdown, the price of oil started plummeting until, until the captain of a gigantic container ship ran his ship aground in the middle of the Suez Canal. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, is that where we get into the conspiracies? <laughs> I don't know. The price of oil was dropping tremendously. And now it's stabilized with this guy's ship stuck in the middle of it. And they can't get it out. Like they, they have the experts from all over the world. are trying to get, I mean, it's, it's a super, it's one of those, the, whatever they call them. I forget what they call them. The, the different, the different uh, ships. Um, they, they raid them by, by tonnage. And this is, I think this is one of the biggest ones. It's a container ship. And it is blocking the entire Suez Canal right now. I saw so a headline I, today that it's refloating, not necessarily unstuck yet, but yeah, you can't you can't just get a tugboat in and pull it out. It's, <laughs> it's a big dot. It's it's four football fields long. Holy <laughs> shit! And like two wide, right? <laughs> yeah, it's big. It's a floating city. I mean, you can they they showed a satellite view. Holy crow! You could see the thing. Like you know, wow. the, the camera was far far away, and you're like. It's a dot, but it's like a big dot. <laughs> I was like, damn, they're not getting that thing out. And a whole bunch of little dots behind it waiting to get, to get in. Yeah. <laughs> beep, beep, they beep, said, beep. Uh, they, they said that 10% of the, of the world's uh, commerce goes through that canal for, yeah. for a lot of stuff. Right. So more, more you know, potential inflationary, you know, again, short term, but... That's now. That's one of you know. Remember, we talked last week about supply shocks of why things got so bad in the seventies. Not that this is going to be a supply shock, but you can just see you can see what happens to things when you have an event like that, especially when it comes to petroleum products, and, and especially when you you're you know like Rich said, ten percent of the world's commerce goes through that canal. So right now, ten percent of the world's commerce is sitting in wherever it's sitting somewhere and, and not not moving. So is it time to worry and pull your money out? Eh, you know, one thing, one last thing, and Richie, tell me if you've heard about this. This has been going around, and in a lot of it, if you remember, we were talking, I think it was last week, about the old, the old 60-40, 60% equities, 40% bonds. Well, we we're getting into the end of the quarter, the end of the first quarter, March 31st, 2021. A lot of these funds, big investment funds, um, they have a mandate that they, some of them, they're called targeted funds and, and they need to be, they got to true up by when, when they get the snapshot of their portfolio, they really are supposed to be 60% equities and 40% bonds. And with everything that's gone on with the stocks and then the bonds getting smashed, a lot of these guys might've been, let's call it 63% stocks, uh, you know, 37% bonds, like off a bit. So there's some wiggle room throughout the quarter, but when the quarter's ending, they got to get it right. Yeah. That, now that, again, they, this is kind of knowledgeable rumor, if you will, because none of these guys are going to say, Hey, I got to, I got to buy bonds and sell stocks. Right. Cause they, yeah, now yeah. let's say I said this thing's off by 2%, but it could be 2% of like a trillion or more. So there's, 
So that that's also been um, kind of what's helped bond price you know, bond prices go up, and it's also been hitting stocks. So there's a technical there, and the question is when that gets sorted out, if that is what's indeed affecting the market to some degree. You know, that's a that's another transitory thing that come April, the first week of April, you know, it starts it could start up all over again. But yeah, I you know, I like I said, if you if you went if you called a correction, you know, in the last five years or just even during the pandemic, you're you're broke, right? Every time you bet on a you, you bet on a big correction, you you get it for about three days and then everything comes back. So I don't know what you think, Richie, but I I don't yeah. see it. I, I think there's a lot of that going on where they're rebalancing the first quarter. The other thing that, that seems to um, drive them is like not only within the s- stocks of 60% and bonds of 40, but within the sectors of stocks. So in the S&P 500, there's like 11 main sectors where all the companies fit in. And um, obviously there's a tech one, there's industrials. So a lot of these funds also have to have a certain amount of, uh, or they can have a certain amount over uh, weighted in any of the sectors. Mm. So that in the past had helped them take profits on a lot of the companies that went up. And obviously over the last year and a half, you know, starting not, not necessarily 2021, but prior to 2021, that let them trim a lot of uh, tech stocks, right? So they took some profits and they moved. This, this quarter is going to be interesting because tech stocks haven't done so hot. And um, some of the old, you know, as we talked about, these old value companies have done well. So there's a big uh, debate now this week and next week going into the quarter end. Do these asset managers want to show that they're long, they own a ton of tech stocks, right? Like, that's all of a sudden gone, you know, not so in vogue. So a lot of these guys, they call it window dressing. They try to, like, spruce up their portfolios when they have to report it, which is kind of funny because, like, the next day after the quarter, they could probably change their whole portfolio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was reading that. I'm like, hey, okay, so you can basically operate outside. The, I mean, you got to be careful, right, because if, if you're too far over, you, you have to get back, right? So you, you, you're making a problem for yourself at some point down the line. But, yeah, it's, I thought that. I was like, yeah, we've been doing this a long time, and I, I know about everybody. That's the first time everybody – I mean, I, I know guys who do bond traders who think this was like a potential lifeline for them, like, hearing this is going to happen. Like, thank God, because a lot of guys – you know, you got to remember, like we talked last week, you know, when you have a bond investment that loses 2% in a week – um, that's a big, that's a big deal, you know, and bigger deal than equities. You're not, you don't expect that. Um, so bond funds have gotten smashed pretty good. Um, you know, luckily for people who don't, who, who buy corporate bonds, investment grade, high yield, um, the spreads, if you will, because those, those bonds yield more than a treasury bond yield, like a 10 year corporate bond, let's say yields 50, half a percent more than a treasury bond, which is crazy because that, that's a, that's like nearly the tightest they've ever been. But um, the, so the biggest problem was the rates go up and our yields go up, prices go down. And if those spreads don't tighten more to offset the rates going up, then you got a problem. And so guys are, you know, losing money on those, uh, you know, on bond funds. And, um, 
you know, they, they were looking potentially if this is like a lifeline. But if it's a lifeline, it's a short one. And we'll see what happens. I was telling Aaron after the seven-year auction today, that'll be like another $180 billion of supply. Remember, sometimes this guy is as simple as supply and demand, right? You throw a ton of supply on the market and the demand isn't there. Eventually, bad things happen to the price of whatever asset you're doing that. And the, Fed and the Treasury is just coming out you know, nonstop with, uh, with, with issuance uh, due to uh, the borrowing needs and, um, you know, due to what's happened to the economy. There's definitely such a large knowledge gap of, say, cyclical mechanisms, like you're saying balancing the, the sheet at the end of the quarter that, mm-hmm. you know, people that are new to investing definitely don't know these things. Yeah. So is, is there uh, a lot of different things like that that you can... You could set your watch to it. It happens every year. Things to look out for that, you know, you can, I guess, get a leg up on what's going to be a good investment. Any other example you can think of? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like, people tried that. You know, I'm talking people like institutional investors. So they try to get in front of that train. They know, they know this, you know, some of this stuff is going to get sold, some of it's going to get bought. So they look to buy like the stuff that they know is going to get sold at cheaper prices. The big thing that I can point to, which is very funny. So, you know, as human beings, we like uh, New Year's Eve. We like New Year's Day. We like the holidays. And that's our calendar, right? So we're like, you know, New Year's Day, let's bring in the new year. Well, for years, right, the corporations all over the globe um, – not all over the globe. Certain certain countries had different reporting, but let's say a majority. They would go on that quarterly basis. So uh, March, June, September, December were each of the quarter ends. Kind of like as, as we know. You know. Some people got sharp not too long ago, 10, 20 years ago, where these corporations would change their reporting periods. So, so, and uh, I remember the Goldman Sachs being one of those prominent uh, people that did that. So they went and said, you know when our new year end is? November. We're going to be the end of November. And I can remember even back uh, further when Eric and I were at Bear Stearns, they didn't change the, the uh, quarterly changes, but they did have their year end in June. And... <laughs> Interesting. The, the, the reason behind that, right, is when corporations have it's, – it's tied to this, this balance sheet redressing issue. At the end of December, back in the day, when they really had to spruce up their portfolios for their annual reports, everybody be heading for the door at Christmas time, right? Like, get me out of this shit or – keep me in this shit or add to this more shit. So these companies, a lot of these banks that were in the financial markets said, you know what, let's change our year end so we're not even like worried about the end of December. And oh, by the way, when those guys are selling, like trying to get out the door at the same time, we can buy. We'll be here buying. And it was like a slick trick and a lot of other people tried it and have tried it. So it kind of has diluted the whole, like, rebalancing and what have you. But it's still a real thing. Yeah, it's a good And, again, this is a little more, like, inside baseball type stuff. That, But just you're asking, 
So I remember in eight and two, well, towards, I think when, um, when David Einhorn got involved, when green, green light got involved, you know, go, you know, shorting Lehman brothers. One of the things they were looking at was the fact that Lehman was, so what would happen Aaron, is, you know, you, you, especially when you're a financial institution, you've got, you, you have what's a lot of leverage. In other words, the capital you have versus the liabilities that you have in your balance sheet. The difference is a lot more liabilities than capital. The, the ratio to, to liabilities to capital is a lot higher. It's called leverage, leverage. and banks and certainly like the, the Bear Stearns and the Lehmans, which are both gone now, um, Goldman, Morgan Stanley, all the big the guys who weren't banks. They weren't federally chartered banks. They were investment banks. They were highly leveraged. So what Lehman was doing, and Einhorn found this, was that they were um, – what they would do is they would basically sell assets, quote, sell them with the promise to repurchase them like a week after their, they had to spruce up their balance sheet and, and, and unload, but not unload, they, they wanted them back, but they basically were, it's called renting a balance. So they would rent somebody else's balance sheet. So like Richie said, if Bear Stearns was June, then, and also it was a lot easier to say, hey, and we used to do, Oh, anyway, so Lehman got in trouble for this, right? And everyone was going off on them that they were monkeying around with their balance sheet and the leverage ratios. And I remember looking at Richie going, hey, you can't do that anymore? Like, that's, <laughs> I mean, that, that was a business. That was a freaking business. When we were at the Canadian Bank, it was like, you know, and guys were getting paid on this. Like, literally, you know, Lehman or, or Bear or Goldman would call you up and be like, hey, where can you take 500 million of whatever? And all they were doing was, we'll take it. We'll charge you an exorbitant fee because you need to get it off your sheet, and then we'll sell it back, and then we'll give it back to you. But it's it's called we, they used to rent our balance sheet. And that's another reason why a lot of the banks and the investment banks staggered their earnings so they could basically help each other out at different times. And um, go, back, go back to that point. So we were at the Canadian Bank. Guess when Canada's year end is? October. October. <laughs> Here we were in December working at this bank, and everybody and their cousin. All the big boys would come to us and be like, dude, can you take this thing, <laughs> these things for a month or two months? Yeah, bring it on. That'll be uh, X million dollars. Okay, we'll pay it. Thank you. And it was you remember, Richie, remember when um, this is so this is the crisis before, right? This is 1998. It was, we were having a, that was the first, that was a long-term capital crisis in the Asian currency. And it was the, that, then we thought that was a meltdown. We had no idea what was coming in 2008. But if you remember, you remember we, had, we had a guy who worked at the Canadian bank with us, and then he went over to one of the investment banks. And so now all these investment banks are in trouble. And literally, it was just like, it was kind of like, oh, wait, where you shit Lehman, like you're looking at Lehman, you're looking at Bear, you're looking at, at not really Goldman, but more like, are these guys, you know, they're in trouble. And one day the guy, I think, I think he called me on the desk and they, and the, it was th- that one of the investment firms basically wanted us to take like $300 million of equity. Back this is when 300 million was a lot of money. Now we deal in billions, right? But back then it was like, Hey, I got 300 million. And, and I probably called Richie, right? I called somebody and say, where would you take this for, for two weeks? And we gave him back some insane number. Like, yeah, we don't want it either because there's a problem going on, but we'll, we'll, we'll be happy to make $5 million for, for doing nothing. And I remember we were ready to conclude the trade, and all of a sudden some dude from risk management came running down, no bear, no bear, don't leave it. And they just like doing the, you know, the incomplete signal like the referees give because we don't have it on camera here. <laughs> and 
But that's the kind of that's the kind of shit that used to happen. And so anyway, when, they, when this happened to Lehman in 08, I remember going to Rich, going like, "Wait, yeah, what are they talking about? You're not allowed to do that anymore." Like that's that's I thought that was like a standard operating procedure that you just kind of monkey around and you and you rent other guys' balance sheets, but uh, <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting DMs these days. I guess people are saying, "Hey, look at this clown trying to get into this investing world." I got people in my messages going, "Hey." I'm a trader. I work for a Forex trading company platform here. Do you know about Forex trading or Bitcoin mining? I'm getting several of these a day now. Oh, because you're uh, what on the Twitter? Uh, Facebook. Facebook. Well, Forex means foreign exchange, so we can tell you what it what it means. Um, we know a lot about that. Um, as you know, we we don't. We, we may not know a lot about Bitcoin yet, but we have obviously experts that do, uh, Mr. Doherty and, uh, and Mauricio. Um, so we follow those markets. And yeah, we if you want an opinion on Bitcoin, I can't give you an opinion. I, we, we could give you opinions on foreign currencies. I will say, though, that you can get really banged up fast. Like guys, are if, you, if you're trading in foreign currencies, like you got to remember you're, you're trading against Goldman Sachs. You're trading against like there's no information that you know that they don't know. Mm-hmm. However, there could be a lot of information they know that you don't have a clue about. So that's the one thing I and I I, I think if you look at trends and you want to trade, you you, you want to buy Canadian dollar, you want to do things like that, great. But and I and I've done it. I've traded a hedge fund. I traded foreign currencies or futures on foreign currencies. But um, just remember, you, there is no informational. You you are on the wrong end of the informational advantage. You don't you don't know what those guys know. You don't know the flows, the gigantic flows that happen in that market, and you don't you don't have the inside information on that stuff. Oh, I'm very aware that this is a shark and minnow situation. You got to remember, right? And now one one of the um, in my day job. Uh, we haven't worked a lot on this case, but it's one of the big, the big antitrust manipio, um, uh, manipulation cases out there is the foreign exchange case where all the big banks. And I believe the settlement, I, I think, oh, I'm sorry, in fines, just in fines that the bank, the big banks, and most of them are the um, U.S. And, uh, and, and British banks. Um, they've paid up to $2 billion in fines already, and they're being – I. I'm not sure if the suit has finally been settled, but they a lot of them have come in and settled. So what these guys would do is they knew at two o'clock every day, a lot of these big funds, a lot of them, they had to come in, they had to, they had to convert euros into sterling, pound sterling, or euros into dollars, or yen into. So what they 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 did is they formed a um, they formed chat rooms on Bloomberg, and they're all buddies. They all worked at different firms. And they would get a, they would get a heads up on hey yeah they're going to come in and there's going to be a lot more selling of euros and buying of euros versus dollars so we got it so they would basically get in front of that trade so they would buy or sell based on where they saw and they like one thing you don't do and you just you remember um, you remember Goodfellas remember Paul the Paul the Wall the, the um, who who played him I forgot God Paulie. No, yeah, Big Paul. Um, you know his wife, his daughter's. Sir. Oh, uh, how do I forget these things? Sorvino. Sorvino, yeah, he's playing. And um, remember, he didn't talk on the phone. 
his little brother, the fat little guy used to have to run out and take a phone call and then run back to him and tell him what was going on. Yep. And, like, he only, and he only talked to five people or four people and that was it. Well, the opposite of that is, is joining a conspiracy with five other traders at the biggest firms in the, on the planet and creating a chat room on Bloomberg. Call yourself, I think they, they call themselves like the foreign exchange mafia, they call themselves, oh, they call themselves the cartel. That was it. They call them, they, they label the chat. You can name these chat rooms, the cartel, right? And they would, and they would sit there and they would, they would exchange their information. They'd make jokes. They'd talk about ripping other people's faces off. And it's all down documented. So there's not a whole hell of a lot you can do. It's, it's hard to defend yourself against that. But the point is, and maybe we've gone way long with it, but, uh, maybe we scared the hell out of somebody from from getting too involved with foreign exchange. Um, is that uh, that there's so much stuff going on, and these and these flows are gigantic. And if you don't know them, like you said, why why did that go up? Like what happened? And the funniest thing is sometimes a lot of times, you, so you have like on Bloomberg, you have these people that don't have to report. Hey, why did the dollar go down so much versus the Canadian dollar? They have no freaking idea. So they always have to make something up. You know, there's always. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't want to so much get into uh, the foreign exchange so much as just to touch on the shadiness and like the the predatory nature of some of this stuff where people are always just looking for suckers. And I think you touched on that a little bit. You you dove into a little bit of uh, Reddit, I understand, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I um, I was horrified. I And I just mean because I, I, I mean, all it was was, Buy this, I'm getting rich. No, we're all going. And it's like, I, I just was looking at it. And, and it was, I think I went on to the YOLO page, the You Only Live Once segment of the Wall Street Bets. And, uh, and I was looking up the stocks they were buying. And like all of them had gone public, like maybe in 2000, or either they'd gone public, you know, in the last two years and had a business model that, you know, I, it sounded really fancy. A lot of it was biotech and, you know, RNA and, you know, um, heavy duty stuff that may, and, and I, I don't know what the percentages Richie may know, like of the, you know, of, of guys who get into that really high end biotech world, you know, like how many of these guys actually make it? It's a pretty, it's a pretty low ratio, I believe. And all these stocks I'm looking at, either they just, they went public in 2019 or 20, or they traded around 50 cents forever. And suddenly around April or May of last year, it went up to 10 bucks. Right. And, and then at the end of the year, the beginning of this year, went up another, you know, went up to 20 bucks. So I, you know, I, I tried to get into it and see if there's, you know, get into the flow and just see what I realized I had nothing to add. I did. There was, there was nothing I was going to say that was going to make anybody <laughs> listen to me. And, uh, and I, so I just started looking up the stocks they were picking. I just, all right. You know, I, and now they're on a lot. So I assume this is what, they're doing all day long. This isn't them at work and then, you know, checking in on their, this is what they're doing all day long. Um, which is fantastic. If you're, if you're a brokerage, like a Robinhood or an E-Trader, you're getting a ton of, ton of flow going on. These guys are trading and they've become a real force. I just, it was kind of, kind of scary. Well, yeah, I hope you can dive in there and find it worthwhile to, uh, kind of engage with some people. Maybe you could reach some folks, man. Yeah, probably not though. This, these guys are pretty pretty aggressive. Yeah, I can see I, that. I'm, I, I mean, I don't thoughts. fully understand Reddit to begin with or the stock market, so I'm like, I don't know if this is the place for me. This is crazy here. It's a lot of craziness in the market. 
Do you see things settling down? Yeah, I, I think there's going to be some volatile times ahead. I just, it, it just, there's just too much, too much still to be seen. And if you look at what's going on, and now we're at the the happy anniversary of the bottom of the market, right? So it was March twenty third, twenty twenty, when the market hit the bottom. So now we're a, a year uh, and a little bit past there, and. So you've had like this massive, massive gain when the world was basically closed, right? There was no tons of business going on in certain sectors. There was no business going on in other sectors. And there was good business going on in some, right? But that you've seen that market, the, the markets just fly, right? Just fly. So now you have... Um, and we always talk about, you know, it's a, the stock market's generally a six to nine month forward indicator. So what people were telling you, the market was telling you in that March of last year period, yeah, it looks bleak, but things are going to get better. And, you know, for the most part, they have, right? I mean, there's still a lot of cases. There's still... Germany was going to shut down again, then they weren't, which made me laugh and use the joke from The Godfather where, uh, where the guy comes into the bar and he says, hey, Rich, you open or closed? And then they try to whack Frankie Pantangeli. So the, the Germans basically said, Angela Merkel said, like, we're going to have a five-day close down, and it, it encompasses Easter. So no Easter dinner for everybody in Germany. So people went apeshit, technical term, and they stopped it. So she said, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, forget it. Forget what I just said. Everything's good. But that moved the market, right? So that, that like, yes. scared, scared people like, oh, my God, we're closing down again? What the hell's going on? <laughs> so you're going to have a lot of these fits and starts, right? And that just leads to more volatility. And so now the logical thing, right, would be, well, there's stuff definitely getting better, right? Like airports are f- more full in America. Um, businesses are opening. So it's got to go up, right? The stock market's got to go up because it was down so much, and then it rallied a lot when things were closed. So certainly when things open up again, it's got to go well. That's well, what I would think. Right. Well, as we talk about a lot, <coughs> interest rates factor into that. So when you have a stronger economy and inflation kind of rearing its head a bit, you get interest rates that go higher. So all of a sudden, that was a big key as well, meaning when interest rates are near zero, you're not going to really buy bonds. Right? You don't want those. So you buy stocks to make money. Now, I'm not saying that 1.7% on the 10-year Treasury is something fabulous, right? But it is starting to creep in like, okay, I can buy a little of that. At least I'll get something on my 10-year Treasury. And I don't have to have as many stocks. And, oh, by the way, stocks are really high right now still. So you get that push where people start selling the stock market. Or just stop buying. Exactly. Yeah, you just like like you could just have a um, you could just have an where a guy you know, let's say the big the big flows that every every day there's 
there's institutional money that at the end of the it has to have somewhere to go. And that and that's something that people need to understand is like a lot of this isn't a lot of this is not rocket science. A lot of this is just uh, we got a billion dollars here between these eight guys and we get we need we need somewhere to go with it today, right? It's just to reinvest it. And they may decide, let's say they were really overweighting maybe the, the, the Russell 2000, maybe they were putting more, allocating more money into stocks. Let's say it's a targeted fund that has stocks and bonds. And, and all I got to do is say, you know what, let's put 10% less in stocks this month. Like, let's start, you know, let's start hedging our bets. Stocks are really high, you know, and interest rate, I can get a little better yield now on my bonds than I could have, you know. Uh, that's it. Just, it, it could be 5%. But it could be five percent on a gigantic number, right? And that, that in alone, in and of itself, it just stops. It, it it slows down the demand. It's just less buyers in the same supply. Well, like we talked about, Richie, I, we we talked about GameStop, right? Is that they, a they they came out and said, hey, this is our plan. It's exactly what you thought. We love the fact that everyone's buying into our plan. So you know, we may issue some stock, um, and that immediately, all of a sudden crushed GameStop because a it, it hurts it, it hurts you it hurts if you're if you're looking at ganging up on shorts well all of a sudden you know there's going to be more there's going to be more supply of the stock on the on the, on the markets so it's less able to do that more float and again all else equal if you had if you had more stock and you don't have the same enthusiastic demand the stock's going to go down GameStop by the way up twenty three percent as we speak on the day. Ooh. There we go. So <laughs> maybe not it was, yet. it was down 35% yesterday, almost 40%. It's the comeback kid. Richie, let's get into some Richie's picks. What are we looking at? All right. So uh, I have another just one. Uh, we're keeping with our theme. We're not giving up. I'll let you know once we give up on our on our fine uh, picks from the past. You know, the, the We talk a lot about Boyd Gaming, BYD. We're keeping it. It's, it's dropped. It's dropped a bit, but it's gone up so much. We're not failing yet. Uh, URI United Rentals, we're keeping it. You know, it's it, it's also dropped a bit, but it's it's still strong, so we're not panicking. But uh, I am going to take another short shot. Go against into it. I N T U. I'm just not into it, as my buddy Frank. <laughs> and um, you might think again, counterintuitive. They own a big tax business, right? They own TurboTax. What the hell are you doing, Richie? It's the middle of tax season, bro. Like, everybody's doing their taxes. Well, if you watch television and you see a lot of these ads because they're big on the March Madness now, they advertise there, they advertise everywhere. The, the, the famous words that seem to be coming out of these tax companies, all of them, is free, right? They have that con- those, those uh, commercials where like, free, 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 free. And that's great. For the customer, how the hell are you making money as a company if you're giving away a lot of your stuff for free? Don't like that business model one bit. That stock's at about 380 bucks, and it has run. The ticker is I N T U, and I will be shorting that as we finish this. And I think it will not not crater, but again, they don't make a ton of money, and there's they all their competitors seem to be. Diving for less, which is zero, for their business, and uh, I just don't, I just don't dig it. And I think, it, 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 like I said, it might not crater, but what happens? 
it's always a good thing if you're short something and it goes from 380 to 300. Still high, but we just pocket 25%. Right. And that's what we look to do. So that's my pick of the week. You know, it's interesting for anybody who wants to watch it. Um, I started watching this doc, great documentary on Netflix. I, was, I think it was called The Last Blockbuster. And it's about, it's, it's about the downfall of Blockbuster. Imagine and, the uh, balls of Netflix who basically put Blockbuster out of business. And now, well, that's where I am now. I'm at the that little, little Netflix did come to Blockbuster and said, "Hey, why don't we? Why don't you buy us?" You know, and Blockbuster laughed them out of the room. Yeah, and then they talked about the when Blockbuster, what Richie's talking about it to the extreme. And this can help you with your investing. Is that so? When Blockbuster got rid of uh, uh, late charges, remember that? No more late charges, and they had these ads where. You know, it was like everybody was going to be free. It was like a freedom thing. You know, no more late charges. And everyone's like, okay, that means I could basically take this thing out and I don't have to bring it back. Like I could, I could, I could rent it for four months. And, no one's, and so that, that a wiped out, like a, it wiped out their revenue by two thirds, I think, just on the late fees and the rewinding charges and stuff that they were trying to do to compete with Netflix. But it, it, it basically bank it basically led to the end of, of Blockbuster. I mean, I know some folks that are into AZ video for like five hundred large on late charges. <laughs> 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 Kept that Mortal Kombat game a little too long. <laughs> and I think there is a Blockbuster store still around. I think yes, one. There's like there's twelve left, and this was wow. about the one in Bend, Oregon. All right. And uh, I haven't gotten done, but it's a very good. And it's funny because we have a lot of, a lot of like the guy who did Clerks, like a lot of good guys that, and gals that uh, are in the movie business, but kind of that cool movie business. They're writing a lot of those old, you know, kind of the indies type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about how much they love block. But anyway, I would definitely recommend it. And keep your eye open for also because there's a good, you know, there's, there's a good tip there for exactly what Richie just said. You could, you know, you find guys who are doing things like that and short the bejesus out of them. People do do stupid things. I think Quentin, I think Quentin Tarantino was a was a blockbuster guy, right? He worked. Yeah. The yeah. The, well, the guy who wrote Clerks, like that's because part of the, 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 the I, you know I've never finished Clerks. I got but that's hysterical. Yeah, he was in it. And he and he worked at a blockbuster. They said it was like for a, for a movie person, it was the greatest job on the planet. Like as a kid, especially, you got to watch all the movies and you know whatever. So I mean, but, uh, we don't have to get too much into it right now, but. Um, in a market like this right now, where you can probably pinpoint a few stocks that are almost certainly going to go down, is there more money in shorting stocks right now than betting oh. on stocks? Remember, you can lose your, you can completely lose your. Just talk to Gabe. Uh, um, what's his name, Richie? <laughs> Gabe, Gabe Plotkin from uh, yeah. That you could, that could be. You can lose your ass shorting. Um, so you got to really be careful. Remember, the stock can go to infinity. You can only you own a stock; you can only go to zero. You're going to lose it, but and, you know, and you can get you can get banged up pretty good. So you really you really have to know what you're doing um, when you short a stock. But I would I would add to that that yeah, I think it's tilted a little bit toward expensive expensive uh, uh, on an overall basis. The market that doesn't mean stocks won't go up, but it, it is. Uh, based on like historical uh, data, uh, it is pricey. Um, for certain stocks, it's very pricey. So there's there's definitely ways to do it, and you know it's like uh, as we like to talk about gambling, it's like the um, theoretically, right? 
if you're on a dice table, right, in, and I have been, um, <laughs> you can bet that the shooter's going to make the point, so you're betting with the shooter, and you can bet that the shooter's not. And theoretically, the odds are the same, right? Like, so, like, there's no reason in the stock market you can't make money because it goes down. Now, what's going to happen, because we, we often joke about our friends at Robinhood, but um, do guys at Robinhood who use that platform know even what a put is? Like, they buy a lot of calls, but the opposite of calls is puts. And puts are when you're thinking things are going to go down. I think they released their, some data I thought I saw, where I think it's 95% of their option activity at Robinhood is calls. So when you see a market start to deteriorate, and it gets a little scary, like it has the last few days, you have guys either panicking with their positions, who are long the calls, who own the calls, or they're thinking about doubling down because it's cheaper now, or they are going to sell, but a lot of these guys are brainwashed, certainly on the Robinhood platform, not to sell. That that means you don't have, like, diamond balls. Diamond hands, baby. Diamond hands, okay. Diamond hands. Diamond balls. (laughs) I like diamond balls, though. Diamond balls, diamond hands. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, that... That is uh, a, a recipe for disaster, right? Because, you, you, you know, let's put it this way. That they, the old saying, the market can stay irrational for longer than you have money. Right. Which, which is a wonderful thing. Really what they were talking about there when that statement came out was stocks going up, right? Like guys who were like, I can't believe this stock market is going up still. This is crazy. I'm betting against it. And the wonderful saying came out, listen, the market can be more irrational than you have dealt. So don't be short and stuff. Well, guess what? The opposite way is true, too. Like, the market could get pummeled. Like, like let's say some of these stocks, right, that we're looking at drop, like these big stocks that make very little money, right? Very little money or, or don't make money at all. And one day, or over a span of days, these stocks go down 50%, 5-0. You're like, holy shit, what the hell just happened here? This is cheap, bro. This is cheap. And then the next day they go down 10 more. And then the next day they go down 10 more. And you're screaming at the TV or the screen, dude, how can this be? This is crazy. I got to buy. Remember, <laughs> the market can stay irrational for longer than you have dealt. And a last, a last second um, advice there. And, you know, we haven't seen it all, Rich, here. We haven't seen hardly any accounting irregularities. We haven't seen any monkey business, if you will, yet um, that I guarantee you a lot of these companies out there are going to get fucking nailed with whether they inflated things or deflated things or hit things or pump things up. That, that is coming. And you remember that came – you remember what happened after the dot-com smash, crash, right? Then all of a sudden you had Enron and WorldCom and uh, I forget the guy from the, the, the guy who had the lampshade made out of whatever this – or uh, um, an, umbrella, an umbrella holder. Uh, yeah, Kozlowski. Kozlowski. Right? Yeah. Like that shit came right after. So 
don't also worry also worry about if you hold one of these stocks or a bunch of these stocks and all of a sudden and let's say they're all in the same sector and all of a sudden the SEC says hey you guys you guys that you know accounting regularities and you guys misstated this and did that boom that that's the end of that so there's also that then that hasn't hit yet but that always always happens in these types and of environments to add to that i've earmarked the article but i haven't read it yet but i started to read it and i was chortling Laughing because because great word choice. I have a I have a different thought than chortling. Hold on, let me hit the dictionary. <laughs> so I've heard the I've heard it used in this phrase, chortle my ball. I'm going to put this as delicately as I know how. You can chortle my balls. Chortle your diamond balls. So um, the article was basically I saw like some bold print. And it was like new accounting terms that people have basically made up. Oh, boy. Talk about earnings with a lot of these tech stocks. And one was like the, the acronym was ARR or something like that. And it was like annual recurring something. Right. And it was basically like, it, it was basically like if you sell a subscription for $5 a month and the people keep staying with that that's like a good thing but when you talk about true accounting and you're selling that thing for five bucks a month and it costs you six or seven as a company that's not a good thing right but they're trying to push these different metrics if you will on the accounting world and it's like wow that's you know and and i i was i was in the car or something and i had to go but I was like, let me save that because I have to read that, and that'll be for next week's show. I will read that article and give you all kinds of good stuff about the new accounting methods at many of these companies. All right. Well, I am uh, chortling with anticipation. <laughs> Please, if you have any questions, comments, or anything for the show, the email is monkeybizbizshow, monkeybizshow at gmail.com. Send us any questions or comments, and we'll read them on the air. And please rate and review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen and spread the word to a friend. Uh, Richie, Eric, any final words? Be careful out there. We'll see you next week, folks, on the Monkey Business Show.